everybody. My name is Jared Avalara. Uh, what would be normally I would say is this is the Dumb and Dense podcast, but today we're actually doing a little bit something different here. I'm going to be doing my uh, kind of this one-off little episode more focused on something that I like, and today is uh, MMA. So um, I haven't really na- have a title for this kind of series, kind of one-off thing here. But yeah, so today I'm just going to be talking about what's going on in the MMA, uh, in the mixed martial arts world today. Um, something that I've been interested in for a very long time now. It's been about, I think, a decade I've been watching this sport, and I've been a fan of a lot of people in the sport. Um, I've seen the evolution of this in the past 10 years. It's been kind of uh, this interesting amalgamation of new styles coming in every single year, um, these new fighters rising up the ranks. Um, yeah, but I'm just here to talk about this. Um, just some housekeeping stuff before we get into the episode here. Um, I just want to say sorry for last week. We didn't have an episode up here for our followers. Um, we kind of needed to take a little break there. Um, just kind of a mental break for all of us here. I feel like things were kind of waning with our episodes here. So, But this week, we're going to bring it right back to you with um, two episodes. So today, we're going to have my MMA episode. And then um, we're going to be recording later on today our Stocks episode with Seven Keenan. So keep on the lookout for that. Uh, but yeah, so this MMA episode, um, I'm just going to be talking about, uh, you know, obviously the events that happened um, this this past weekend with UFC 264 and um, what I think about that and what my, what I, my thoughts are on the results. Um, I'm also going to go through a couple segments of upcoming fights uh, coming in the UFC um, and then uh, another segment on uh, a top five segment of uh, what I what my opinions are on a certain topic, and then also I'm gonna be talk uh going over some fan questions that I put up on my own Instagram here. So if you um have any questions for me or have any questions or have any questions that you thought of uh, while listening to this episode, please uh, follow us on at Dumb and Dense, um, and you can DM us a question that you would want me to uh answer during this um kind of episode that uh of MMA uh an MMA theme. So. Yeah, and also follow us on Anchor and Spotify. So yeah, let's um let's get down to it. Before I get into it, um I'm not an expert at all in this, uh especially in the striking department. Uh, I was a grappler, uh back in the day. I did wrestle for eight years, but um I'm just a fan, you know. Um uh, so a lot of these opinions are just gonna come from my own fandom and what I like to see. So don't expect me to be like this technical kind of. I'm going move my move on these uh, on these fights. So yeah, so let's get into the into the meat of this. So USC 264. Let's start off with the main event. So Dustin Poirier beats Conor McGregor via doctor stoppage in the first round, um, basically capping off their rubber match for uh, that's been spanning about from 2014 to to now to 2021. So it's been seven years since their first fight. So. My thoughts on this. Um, the first round was exciting. Uh, I think Conor McGregor did come out with the right idea with uh, multiple kicks. I think that's what he was losing uh, a lot in the last fight, um, in the in their second fight, um, in which Conor McGregor was knocked out in the second round in their second fight. I think he did come out with a, a good uh, game plan of okay, let's let's start using the kicks, utilizing my my reach, my height. Um, but I think that's kind of what bit him at the end. Um, he ultimately, at the end of the round, he did his ankle did fold and he did could not continue the fight. But before that, let's go over what 
happened in that last half of the fight. So the last half of that round was pretty much just Dustin Poirier. I think I'm pretty sure Dustin Poirier cracked him. Um, he was down on the ground. Uh, it looked like Dustin Poirier did have a clear advantage on the feet once kind of he got once he kind of cleared that storm of McGregor, which a lot of fighters they can do. I feel like that's kind of the game plan when it comes to Conor McGregor is. You kind of wear out the storm. If you can survive the storm in that first like two or three minutes of the first round, you could and you can start working your stuff and getting into rhythm. I feel like it's really easy for fighters to to beat Conor McGregor. Um, I feel like kind of the mystical kind of left hand of Conor McGregor has gotten a little bit toned down these past couple years. Uh, it's kind of been a, a rough road for him. I think post Floyd Mayweather fight, he has been one in. One in three in the uh one in three in the octagon um with his win his lone win coming coming against a very worn down Cowboy Cerrone, so uh yeah it's been kind of a disappointing second era for Conor McGregor, uh but all all due respect to Dustin Poirier he did put up he did put up a good game plan he did what he said he was gonna do he knocked. He he controlled Conor McGregor. I I think if it were to go to a second round, I'm pretty sure Dustin Poirier would have beat Conor McGregor. And that's not saying that Conor McGregor is is washed. I I hate this narrative, saying that Conor McGregor, oh, if he loses this fight, he should retire. He's not good anymore. He's washed. He's done. I don't think that because if you look at his last three his last three losses, it's been Poirier Poirier twice and Habib. Those are above head and heels above anybody those two guys are head and heels above anybody in the lightweight division right now i think Dustin Poirier with well without Khabib being in the division he would have been champion right he would have been champion 2000 in like 2019 2020 he's he's that good i just think that Conor McGregor has has put him himself in the position where he has the personality to fight the best but i just don't think he has the skill set now or his skill set has stagnated so much that everyone has caught up to him at this point and that's just that's just how the fight game goes so yeah so uh where where do we go from here like what 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 does Conor McGregor do and what does what does Dustin Poirier do let's start off with the easy one so with Dustin Poirier i think there's no denying i think he should go for I think I think Dana and the UFC and Sean Shelby, the matchmaker for the UFC, should put him in a position to fight for a title. I feel like this has been long overdue. Um, even after the Conor McGregor fight, they did offer him the the title shot against Charles Oliveira, and he didn't take it. Or I I think yeah, so yeah, they did offer him a title shot against Charles Oliveira. He didn't take it. He would rather he he took the Conor McGregor fight because it was a bigger payday, um, and that's how they ended up with Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. And Charles Oliveira won that fight. So I think now the next fight should be naturally Dustin Poirier versus Charles Oliveira for the UFC Undisputed Lightweight Championship, which would be a great fight. I think it would be an interesting matchup, especially with Dustin Poirier's um, power and how will Charles Oliveira kind of weather that storm and see if he can do what he did with Chandler and kind of like hit some unexpected shots on him. I think with Chandler, he really kind of weathered the storm of him in the first round and picked the spots and he, he got him, he caught him. And I don't know if that would happen against Poirier. I feel like Poirier is a little bit more craftier and a little bit more uh, savvy when it comes to all aspects of the fight. I think 
Um, Poirier is a lot more well-rounded and has a better mindset than Charles Oliveira. I don't think Charles Oliveira um, usually. I haven't seen this in the in the but I've seen this in the past with Charles Oliveira is that he usually quits in fights. So I would be interesting if you see a guy that doesn't really quit and versus a guy who's shown to quit in fights uh, when it comes to a championship fight. Um, but yeah, so that's that's where I see it um, with Conor McGregor. So it's an interesting position now that he's injured. So we're Possibly only going to see Conor McGregor at the earliest, maybe a year from now. I think that's the next time he fights. Maybe a year, a year and a half from now. So well, who, what fight do you put him in? If he wants to fight, what fight as the UFC do you put him in to put him in the best position for uh, pay-per-views and also him just winning in general? Because I feel like if Conor McGregor wins, the whole company wins because that's your biggest star. And there's no denying it. I, I Even though he's... He's taken his losses. He is still the biggest star in MMA. He is a crossover star like of what we haven't seen in this company and in MMA in general. So what do you do with Conor McGregor? Um, I think it's really dependent on the Dustin Poirier fight. So if Dustin Poirier wins against Charles Oliveira and wins the, the lightweight shop, I think it's a very bad decision for the company to put um, Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor again, even though a fourth fight may be warranted, and Dana White has stated in the in the at the post fight press conference for this pay per view that uh, Conor McGregor has um, will be will be facing Dustin Poirier for a fourth fight at some point, and I just think that it's a really bad decision if you're gonna have Dustin Poirier who wins the lightweight shop face someone like McGregor and you pass up all these contenders who have been working years for this so. I think if Dustin Poirier wins, no no Conor McGregor fight. If he loses, there is a slim possibility for a Conor McGregor fight. But I just don't think... I think a fourth fight would be more um, needed for later down on the road. So with Dustin Poirier out of the picture for Conor McGregor, who who do I think is a perfect matchup for Conor McGregor in this comeback fight after his injury? And I really think there's only two people for this. So there's two. There's Tony Ferguson... And Rafael Dos Anjos. So, <clears throat> with Tony Ferguson, I think the narrative writes itself there. Um, with Tony Ferguson, uh, while Conor McGregor was kind of out after that 2016 stint and fighting and then uh, going on to fight Floyd Mayweather, it was really Tony Ferguson who was kind of carrying that torch of like this dominant lightweight who looks like he's rising up for the champion. It was really him and Khabib um, kind of in that race for the longest time. And uh, I think. As Tony Ferguson, if you do get the fight with Conor McGregor, I think you play up this narrative for Tony Ferguson that you like he took his he took his money away. He he without with Conor McGregor being out, he didn't get the fight. He never got the title. I'm he never got the chance of the title, and I feel like that's that's a, it's a shame because Tony Ferguson is a great fighter. And lately, Tony Ferguson has gone through a three fight skid, which is um. Just crazy for someone who didn't lose in like I think it was like twelve fights in probably the most stacked division in all of MMA. So I think you that's definitely a matchup they should be looking for if um if Tony if Tony wants it and I'm pretty sure he wants it. Um I don't know if he's willing to wait that long. So then that's when Rafael dos Anjos comes into play. I think with Rafael dos Anjos it's it's a lot of um, I think the narrative that you can play out there is that without Rafael Dos Anjos back in 2015, um, 
in 2016, uh, basically backing out of his fight while he was the champ. Well, while he was the champion with uh, Conor McGregor, um, I think Conor McGregor wouldn't be in the position that he is in today. So it's a lot of uh, it's it's a good matchup. Um, a lo- both those guys are on um, kind of skids in their career of like really crossroads. So I think those would be two good fights for Conor McGregor to get back on if they want to give him a fight before the championship. Because I know that once he wins one fight, Dana will give him the championship. There's no denying that. So, yeah, I and I think in the meantime, you have, I feel like you could have a match between RDA and uh, Tony Ferguson. I think that would be a great matchup. And whoever the winner of that gets the shot at Conor McGregor. Um, but, yeah, uh, let's move on to the next fight. Just a little quick hits here. Gilbert Burns beats Stephen uh, Wonderboy Stephen Thompson via um, unanimous decision. Um, yeah, that's. I think it was expected. Uh, it's kind of hard to bet against a grappler who has a comparable uh, has comparable striking ability like Gilbert Burns Gilbert Burns does. I feel like he's probably the most complete fighter in uh, in the welterweight division, excluding. Excluding um, Usman, come um, on Usman, but yeah, I feel bad for Stephen Thompson. I really wish he can get that shot of the title. I'm a big fan of him. I love his style. His karate style is very uh, fan friendly. It's just that <clears throat> when you get a fighter who, who Thompson can't really get his rhythm on, it kind of hinders him a lot because he can't be active in a fight, and it really hurts when he doesn't have any grappling ability to kind of placate that. So, I don't know where Stephen Thompson goes on from now. Uh, I feel like he has a couple more years left in in the UFC until he retires. He's 38, so that's that's pretty old in fighting years. So we'll see where he goes with Gilbert Burns. I again, I don't know because I think if Wonder Boy would have won this fight, I think he would have been had a straight shot at Kamaru Usman for the welterweight title. But I think with Gilbert Burns, it's a little bit harder to to kind of rally for that since he did get knocked out by Usman in their match for the title uh, in December, I think. So, yeah, I don't I don't know where Gilbert Burns goes on from here. I He could face maybe if, if Vicente Luque wins against Michael Chiesa. I think he, that would be a great matchup. Uh, but let me look at the welterweight rankings for MMA. And then we'll see where do I think would be the best matchup for Gilbert Burns at this point. Um, if if they really want to and Leon is up to it, um, we could have Leon Edwards versus Gilbert Burns. I feel like that would be a good fight. I feel like after the Diaz fight with with Leon Edwards, his stock has kind of gone down. And I feel like with the win with Leon, if for Leon to get a win over someone as a former title contender in Gilbert Burns, I think that would be a great win for him to straight, straight <clears throat> skyrocket him to the title shot against Kamal Usman, but we'll see. This division is kind of weird right now because Kamal Usman has faced a lot of the top six. I think he has a win almost against everybody in the top six here, so yeah, I I don't know where they go from for there. Um, one more fight before uh before we get into uh before we uh stop this whole t- uh, UFC 264 talk here, Sean O'Malley versus Chris Moutinho. So, 
this was a good fight. I think Sean O'Malley really uh, showed him that he's a star. He he is he has the style for the fans. I think the fans really take to him. Um, he's kind of like a mini Conor McGregor here for a lot of you fans who don't watch MMA. Um, and Chris Matinho really showed a lot of heart in this fight. He um, this so Sean O'Malley won by TKO in the third round with 30 seconds left. Uh, which is crazy, thinking that Chris Martino is literally was a late replacement ten days in, and is nine and five. He's he's not um, he's not like a really. This is his first fight in the UFC, so I don't think he was really up to the ability of a Sean O'Malley. Um, and you could see that in the fight where Chris Martino basically his whole strategy was just to walk in, and basically be a punching bag and just keep walking forward against Sean O'Malley, getting his face busted in. And trying to create a flurry somewhere else, some somehow, some way to get a lucky shot in. But um, yeah, I don't. People are saying that after this fight, Sean O'Malley should definitely fight someone like uh, he did call out Cody Garbrandt. But Carter, Cody Garbrandt right now is uh, <clears throat> making his transition into the UFC flyweight division, which is the 125 division against Kai Kata France, and he has his own thing now. So I don't think Sean O'Malley really can get that fight. Um, I don't see, uh, like I can make the case for him to fight someone in the top 10, but he hasn't beaten anybody in the top 10 yet. So I would love to see him run it back with Chido Rivera or Chido Vera, um, who is right now, I think ranked 12th in the division. Um, right now, Sean O'Malley's, I don't think he's ranked yet. So I feel like running that back and see if he could beat Chido Vera and, um, see if he can make a stake for him to face the top 10 guy. If you... If, as the UFC, if you really want him to face the top 10 guy, a top 10 guy, I I think Dominic Cruz would be a great fight. Um, just those styles mesh uh, well with each other a lot. So, yeah. Um, Dom, uh, I think that would be... If you want to stretch it, I think you should give Sean O'Malley Dominic Cruz for his next fight in a, on a pay-per-view um, or headlining a, a UFC fight night. So... That's pretty much the big fights of UFC 264. <clears throat> Let's um, transition into some fights that are coming up here and what I think about them. I'm really just going to be going over um, some f- the main events or any fights that I think are worthy of like kind of notable fights. So this Saturday we have Islam Makachev versus Thiago Moises. So uh, this is this is like a a real rising star fight. So whoever wins this fight, I think gets catapulted into the kind of the the solid top 10 of this lightweight division. Islam Makhachev, kind of a descendant of Khabib Nurmagomedov. A lot of people say he's even better. A lot of people in the AKA camp, like Daniel Cormier, um, say that he he's he's a lot more, uh, he's still learning and he's has the potential to even be better than Khabib, which is scary. To think about it because Khabib is considered one of the greatest all time in the lightweight division so we'll see how that pans out um Thiago Moises I, I saw his last fight against Michael Johnson he had a really good showing he has a really good ground game which I think Islam Makhachev hasn't faced a guy with a very good ground game before so um we'll see how that how that ends up if Islam Makhachev wants to take it to the ground um I I think I'll put my I'll put my money on Islam Makhachev winning this fight and seeing him either face someone in the top 10, maybe maybe Tony Ferguson, maybe RDA, maybe even Gregor Gillespie. Um, we'll see what... Um, even Kevin Lee, 
Kevin Lee might be a good fight for Islam Makachev to kind of introduce him to kind of the upper echelon of the lightweight division. So, yeah. Um, next fight would be... <clears throat> well, another fight of note would be Marion Renal versus Misha Tate. Misha Tate hasn't fought in four, I think, two thousand since 2016, so about five years uh, since her last fight against Amanda Nuyez. And this is kind of her comeback fight. Um, hopefully, we get to see Misha Tate do her thing here. She's a legend of the sport. So, yeah. Um, next fight coming up the next week after on July 24th would be another fight that's um, kind of on my radar here. Corey Sanhagen versus TJ Dillashaw. TJ Dillashaw coming back from a um, drug test suspension for two years. Um, and Corey Sanhagen... Come, uh, coming off a really big win against a big name in Frankie Edgar and knocking out Frankie Edgar, which is really rare. I think there's only one other person who has knocked out Frankie Edgar, which was Brian Ortega, who's fighting for the title right now on in the featherweight division. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a good fight. It's going to be a really technical fight. I think um, TJ Dillashaw, really good striker, really good grappler. Uh, Corey Sanagian, powerful striker can knock anybody's lights out so yeah we'll see how that goes we'll see what tj has up his sleeve being gone for two years and what he's developed over those two years so yeah um, that, that could be a good fight and then we have um yeah and then two weeks after that in august 7th we have the next big pay-per-view which i'll probably be talking about uh in the next month for this episode if i decide to do one but Derek lewis versus Cyril gone um, this is a really interesting fight for the interim heavyweight championship. Um, originally, it was supposed to be Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou, uh, but contract disputes came in, and um, we got this fight right now for the interim championship. So <clears throat> this is an interesting fight because it's probably the most technical guy in the division versus um, the one-hitter quitter of the division. Derek Lewis can take anybody's lights out in this division, in the heavyweight division. Um, but Ciro Gone is probably one of the best technical fighters with his kickboxing skills. Um, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. Xerogon ha ha is unbeaten. He's 9-0. But I don't really don't think he's faced anybody with kind of the lights-out power that is Derek Lewis. But we'll see how that goes. Um, my heart says Derek Lewis because I really want to see him get the title shot against Francis Ngannou. I feel like that would be an interesting callback to their fight two years ago, which in which Derek Lewis won. By unanimous decision, so we can see how Francis Ngannou improves on his um, on what he on what his performance on that fight was two years ago. So, yeah, and then also we have Amanda Nunez on this uh, on this card against Juliana Pena. Um, Juliana Pena has a good ground game. I just don't think that's enough to face the goat that is Amanda Nunez in the women's bantamweight division. It's uh, you you got to be an all round fighter to beat Amanda. So. I'd probably see Amanda winning it by KO in the first round. Uh, with Derek Lewis and Cyril gone, I feel like if it goes outside the... I say if it goes outside the second round and it makes it to the decision, it's probably going to be Cyril gone who wins. If it's if it's a knockout, if there's someone got to be knocked out, I think it's got to be Derek Lewis who gets, the, who gets the nod here. But we'll see. It's really unpredictable with these heavyweight fights, so... With um, and also another fight on this card, Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. This is kind of a crossroads fight for them. 
in the bantamweight division for the men's. Um, whoever kind of wins this gets to stay in the top 10. Whoever loses this probably gets booted out of the top 10. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for upcoming fights here. Um, let's go on to the next segment here, which would be... Um, yeah, which would be a little segment. I, I don't know what, I don't have a name for it. I, I kind of want to call it Jared's championship list. So basically, um, in UFC, the championship fights have five rounds and this would be like my top five in whatever topic I choose. <clears throat> and today's topic, it's going to be, um, top five fights you should watch as a beginner in MMA, like watching MMA as a beginner. Um, so these are just the top fives. If you haven't watched MMA before, these are the fights you should watch, um, either online or somewhere, uh, to really get you into MMA. Um, but yeah, so let's get into it. So I like to split up and I like to split up these lists into category. I like this one, especially into categories of oh, what you want to see in an MMA fight. So let's go with, uh, if you really want to see violence in an MMA fight, I feel like one fight you should really watch is Roy McDonald versus um, Robbie Lawler in 2015. Uh, this fight was a war of attrition. It really, like it really was. I think it's probably the most violent fight in in MMA history. It ended up um, with Robbie Lawler pretty much changing his whole career after this. And I think this fight really cemented Robbie Lawler being kind of the um, the fan favorite of the time in between that kind of 2013, 2016 era pre Conor McGregor, he really was the kind of the, if this guy's on the card, like the fight's going to be amazing. So yeah, I think that's a fight you should definitely look out for is, uh, Roy McDonald versus Robbie Lawler two in 2015. Um, when it comes to technical fights and, watching one that's like what MMA is all about with grappling and striking and just kind of this chess battle of fighting. I think you should look at uh, TJ Dillashaw versus Dominic Cruz um, in 2000. I think it was 2016. I want to say that they fought, but it was a really good fight um, leading up to it. It was Dominic Cruz's first title fight in about, I think at that point of 2016, in four years, he hadn't fought like a real meaningful bout in four years, and he uh, just because he was going through so many um, injuries. And TJ Dillashaw was kind of like the new king of that division while Dominic Cruz was, was gone for those four years. So that fight was, I think it ended up being a split decision or a unanimous decision. I don't remember, but I remember it being a very technical fight when it came down to striking, countering grappling it, it was a very um fight not for the casual fans um but if you want to look for drama in a fight um uh sorry to bring up a name again but tj dillashaw versus cody garbrandt in 2017 i feel like drama was permeating throughout that whole fight where tj dillashaw gets knocked out gets knocked down in the first round and it looks like it's pretty much over for him after cody garbrandt is the champion at this time and um, he comes back and knocks out Cody Garbrandt in the second round. And it was crazy because it's just so much of the drama that was coming into the fight with um, TJ Dillashaw leaving the camp that Cody Garbrandt was a part of. And they were teammates. They were brothers. But somehow something happened. Something something tore down that relationship. And it was the 
the pre-hype to that fight was like really was really interesting because it was it was it was real life stuff it was like it was like so it was like some wwe storyline stuff so so that's three fights um the fourth fight if you want to see the best of the best face each other of their time like a real like like kobe like like kobe and lebron type thing where it's like it's the best two best guys of their time facing off against each other i think you should definitely look at um, John Jones versus Daniel Cormier in uh, 2014. Those are arguably the two pound for pound best guys in the world in on that in that year. I think it was in 2015, but it was in 2014, either 2015. And I think that fight lived up to the hype. Um, those two hated each other and they were the best. So if you want to look at the best of the best, John Jones versus Daniel Cormier 2015 was um, one of those fights you, you need to watch. And then for the last fight, I think you definitely got to watch this fight that kind of started it off of the UFC, which was um, Stefan Bonner versus Forrest Griffin uh, in Ultimate Fighter season, season finale in 2005. Um, it's what MMA was all about at that time. It's what kind of catapulted to where we are today without that fight. There is no John Jones. There is no Conor McGregor. There is no Francis Ngannou. There, there is no Ronda Rousey. There, there really is nobody if that fight didn't, if that fight was kind of like a lackluster fight. So that's the fight that kind of started it all for a lot of people watching the sport today. So Stefan, Stefan Bonner versus Forrest Griffin, 2005 Ultimate Fighter finale. So yeah, that's my list there. Um, feel free to check out those fights. But yeah, um, send, me, send me in topics if you want to know what my top five for anything is in MMA. But yeah, so let's get into... Um, fan questions here i put a poll on my instagram and let's pull up and see what questions there are <clears throat> here's one question here it says what's the point of shit talking before a fight during press conferences never really understood that really it's it's a lot of kind of selling the fight i feel like this hasn't really been a new thing at all if you look back in the day with muhammad ali um, he kind of started it a little bit. It's, it's just the way of people like drama, I think, and what really resonates with them. And they don't want to see just robots out there respectfully. Like, I don't know. People like to watch car crashes. So I feel like with, with shit talking, it's really more just to sell a fight. And, um, I don't have a problem with shit talking before the fight. I think it's after the fight, once everything is said and done, I think it's, really important to respect your opponent because you, you two went through the war together and you guys went through camps and you guys worked hard to get to that position that you are today. So I feel like respecting your opponent after the fact is, is the right thing to do. Um, just as long as you're shit talking before the fight doesn't go as far like a Conor McGregor does. I think you're fine there. Um, there is a point to it. I think it's just to sell the fight, to get people interested in it because, um, not everybody's interested in MMA. So like in the fighting aspect, of MMA. They like the drama. They like the the exchange of words against a person. It's also a psychological tactic for a lot of these fighters. If they can if they can push the buttons the right way, they can win the fight. That's the difference between you winning the fight or not winning the fight sometimes. So yeah. Um here's another question here. Uh wrestling versus BJJ in the in the cage. <clears throat> so this is a this is kind of a interesting question here because it's really 
the style of BJJ and the style of wrestling that face each other. If you get a really aggressive wrestler that likes to improve position and knows how to advance in his position while on the ground, I feel like the transitioning into wrestling to on the feet to the ground <clears throat> when it comes to takedowns, I think any wrestler is going to get that. But it's really the advancing of the position and not just staying there. Because if you get a BJJ guy who you do take down, but you don't advance your position or better your position, they're going to fuck you up. They're going to set traps for you. They're going to get you into positions that you're not used to. And then they're going to submit you and you're not going to win the fight. So it's really depending on who, what the person is. But I'll always, I'll probably always favor the person who is a wrestler who is an extreme, like an extremely good wrestler, with a, with like a somewhat comparable BJJ skill versus someone with extremely good BJJ skills with that's a comparable wrestler because it's just, like I think wrestling is the best sport you can do for MMA because it is a transitional kind of style where you can you can control where the fight goes with your wrestling and I think that's really important when it comes to fights where you get a guy who. Um, kind of is a striker and he likes, likes to get his rhythm. But if you can disrupt him with your wrestling and give him the third of the takedown, the rhythm is fucked up. So I think wrestling is very important when it comes to MMA. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's that's my thoughts on that. Um, one more question here. What to expect from McGregor after the Poirier 3 fight? I kind of already discussed this, but I feel like this era of Conor McGregor is kind of over this 2000, from 2000 post Floyd Mayweather era of trying to make him a star and not fighting as much, kind of doing that boxing kind of, um, the boxing tactic of like only fighting once a year, kind of keeping that, that pay-per-view like mystique up, but it just doesn't work in MMA when you need to be active. I feel like you need to be active in MMA because the sport is growing so much that you're, you're going to get left behind if you're not fighting. And that, that happens to everybody there. Like, I know, like, you see in boxing, like, Floyd Mayweather can take off for, like, four years and fight again because he's that great. But boxing hasn't, like, really evolved from the tactics from maybe even 20 years ago. Like, it's still the same. It's not like MMA where it's growing every five years. There's some new technique every five years. So, yeah, I think this is a great way. I feel like this injury was also a blessing in disguise for McGregor. I feel like this is a great way to reinvent himself after this. After this injury, I would I'm interested to see what he does from now on, from before his career. And I'm glad that this era is kind of over for Conor McGregor. And let's see what he does from now on. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for today. Um, thank you guys for listening to kind of this little uh, thought bubble kind of thing for me about MMA. I really don't feel like I can really share my uh share my uh thoughts with anybody about MMA with a lot of people cuz just I don't have friends with a lot of who are MMA fans. So but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us at Dub and Dance on Instagram and follow us on Anchor and Spotify. And we'll I'll see you guys later. Bye.